Bibles this morning. Turn with me to the book of John. Book of John and chapter 5. began in this chapter a few weeks ago, we saw Jesus going to Jerusalem from Galilee for a feast of the Jews. When he arrived there, there was a pool of water. Bethesda, near to the Sheep Gate. And around this pool of Bethesda is five porches, five colonnades, and a great multitude of impotent folk lay there. And the angel of the Lord would come at certain times of the year and stir the waters, agitate the waters. And the first impotent one to get into the water would be mercifully healed. And Jesus, out of that great multitude of folks impotent that were there, singles out one individual, chooses one individual, to be merciful to, to heal him. Not by his getting in the water, he had no one, no family member, no friends, no one to put him in the water. And so he was so paralytic and withered that he could never be the first to get in the water. And he'd been in that condition for 38 years. And the idea is that for 38 years, he's gathered around this pool with the hope of getting in, into the water first and being healed. So his hopes were all gone. 38 years, think about it. Jesus comes along and chooses him. And heals him, tells him to arise and take up thy bed and walk. And then the notation is made that it's on the Sabbath day. Well, those good Jews, those good religious folks, you know, they saw this man walking and carrying his bed on the Sabbath day. He was breaking the law of God. 
It didn't matter that this man had been, been impotent for 38 years and was now healed, was now up and walking and carrying his bed. Which you would have thought would have excited those Jews. Look, this man, this man who's been, been sick all these years, has been made whole. No. They wanted to know who it was. They told him to carry his bed on the Sabbath day. It's where we begin our lesson today in verse 13. In verse 14. And he that healed wist not who it was for Jesus had conveyed himself away a multitude being in that place multitude of people being there in that place and, and, and Jesus got himself away from them he with he withdrew from them, and therefore this man could not see Jesus there. Which I believe is also made possibly an indication that, that this man was also blind, as well as paralyzed and withered, but now have been made whole. And he couldn't see the man who had made him whole. Because Jesus had withdrawn from the multitude. Which was not abnormal at all for Jesus to do. He would minister to the multitudes on numerous occasions. But then at times he would withdraw himself from them. Verse 14. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple. After the Jews had confronted this man who was healed and, and asked him who it is that made him whole and told him to carry his bed on the Sabbath day. After these things, Jesus findeth him in the temple. And said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. Today the point that we're making is the scene, the portrait that we have here is Jesus and the man that was healed. And this is a beautiful portrait. This is a beautiful scene that we have here. Jesus, once again, not only did he seek him out before, not only did he choose him before, but now he 
finds him and he gives some instructions. But I think in, in this scene here that we have, in this portrait that we have before us this morning, there are some things that, that we want to notice. For we have a picture, first of all, of the duty to worship. Those who have been made whole, those who have been healed of their disease, of their sickness, they have a duty to worship. The man that was made whole, the man that was healed of his infirmity of 38 years, where do you find him? He was found in the temple. Well, why would he be in the temple? He'd be in the temple thanking and praising God. For he had been sick, diseased for 38 years. <laughs> 38 long years those would have been. Now he's healed. He's made whole. He's made able as any other man is made able. Turn with me to the book of First Chronicles. As we think about this thought of, of the duty to worship, First Chronicles, in chapter 16. And look with me at verse 29. 1 Chronicles 16 and verse 29. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. You see, it is due unto Him. He's deserving of it. He's deserving of all honor and glory. If you've been made whole, if you've been healed of, your, uh, of being dead in your sins and your trespasses, You owe it to Him to give glory unto His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship the Lord in His house. That's what that phrase there is saying. Worship the Lord in His house. In the, where are you going to see the beauty of His holiness? It's in His assembly. It's in His house. It's in His presence. Turn with me to uh, the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms in chapter 27. In verse 4, look what the psalmist says here. The, the, the spells out for it. He said, in, in Psalms 27 and verse 4, he said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why did he want to go to the house of the Lord? Why did he want to remain in the house of the Lord? Why did he want to abide there in the house of the Lord? All the days of his life. 
to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, to search out his temple, to search out him, to search out his house. He knew, the psalmist knew, that it was in the house of the Lord that he was going to see the beauty of holiness, the beauty of the Lord. So we have this infinite man made whole. And where else does he go but to the house of the Lord to praise, to bring honor and glory unto his name for healing him? He did such a great work on his behalf. Chapter 100 of this psalm. Chapter 100, in verse 4. Enter into his gates, into the gate, into the, the opening leading into his property, into his place with thanksgiving. Listen, as you enter in the doors where his assembly meets together, we ought to enter in with thanksgiving and into his courts, into his property. You enter in the gate and you're entering into his property. You're entering into the place of his abode with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Listen, I wonder how did you come into the house of the Lord? Did you enter the gates with thanksgiving on your lips? Did you enter into his property, into his place, into his presence with praise this morning? As we were singing these songs, these hymns this morning, were you singing praises unto him? Or was it singing so low that nobody could hear you because you're afraid of what your voice might sound like? That's the way most of us do, isn't it? We're afraid somebody might hear us and, and we might be a little bit off key. We may not sound very good. So we don't sing very loud. You're not singing for them. You're singing praises and thanksgiving unto the Lord. Let it rip. I love telling the story about my dad. My dad was a great example. He had polio in 1952, and it damaged his, his vocal cords. He couldn't carry a tune. But boy, when he was in the assembly, you could hear him above everybody else. <laughs> because he, he wasn't singing for their benefit. He was singing to his Lord, to his Savior, because he had done such mighty work in saving his soul. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews in chapter 13. Hebrews 13 and verse 12. Wherefore, Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered 
without the gate. Jesus, that he might make holy his people. Jesus, that he might make me holy. Suffered. Died. Look at verse 15 now. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praises to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Listen, do we realize that, that he died? He shed his blood to make me holy. Therefore, we, we are beholden to offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving unto him. Because he's done such a great and mighty work in saving my soul. Do we realize that if he did not deliver me from my sins and my trespasses, that I'd still be there, dead to the things of God in sins and in trespasses? Therefore, he commands us in chapter 10 of Hebrews, in verse 24, to, to provoke, to provoke one another, to incite, to stir up one another unto love and to good works. And where are you going to do that at? You're going to do that in the house of the Lord, not forsaking the assembling ourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You we, we come into the house of the Lord to, to incite, to encourage, to, to stir up one another unto love and to good works and exhorting them to the work of the Lord. To love and to good works. something we can't do if we're not here we can't offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving unto the Lord if we're not here in his presence the psalmist he didn't want to do it out there on the, on the creek bank he didn't want to do it out there in the shopping malls he wanted to do it in the house of the Lord he wanted to do it where he was going to behold the beauty of holiness. As he beholds those who have been made holy in the presence of the Lord. Do we realize, do we understand that if we have been delivered if we have been made alive unto God, if we are in fact in Christ, if in fact Christ did suffer, in fact Christ did die for us, oh, that ought to be the desire of our heart. It ought to be the longing, it ought to be the craving of our heart. 
to honor and glorify Him in all that we do. To His praise and His glory. Well, the second picture we see here is not only that of, of worship, but it's the necessity of, of remembering His healing. This, this impotent man. Do you think this impotent man was going to forget his healing? I mean, 38 years he'd been in that condition. Now he's healed? He's not going to forget it anytime soon, is he? Well, for almost 23 years, I was in the same condition, impotent. Dead in sins and trespasses. Forty, fifty, fifty years ago almost. April, be fifty years. The Lord delivered me. I haven't forgotten it yet. I haven't forgotten the condition I was in. I remember it. my hopeless condition. I was impotent. I've been there a long time. <laughs> he healed me. He made me whole. Oh, we ought never forget the moment of our healing. It should never be forgotten. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy. In chapter 4, verse 9. The children of Israel commanded, Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget. Don't forget. Remember the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. We need to remember. We need to remember the pit from whence we were dug, the, from the, the, the miry clay from which we were pulled up out of. We need to remember that we were dead in trespasses and sins, and he has delivered us. And we need to remember it so that we can tell it unto our children and unto our grandchildren that the Lord might be gracious. Maybe the Lord will be gracious. Merciful to deliver them as well. Let us not forget chapter 5 and verse 15 of the same book, Deuteronomy. Chapter 5, verse 15. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore, the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. And we, we need to remember that we were dead in trespasses. We were in bondage to sin. And he's delivered us from that. He's delivered that, us from that with the, by the death 
the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrecting again on the first day. And he's commanded us to assemble ourselves together the first day of the week now. It is now the Christian Sabbath day. And oh, we ought to, every first day of the week, we ought to want to be in his presence, thanking him and praising him continually for so great a deliverance that he has given unto us. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah chapter 5 and Verse 1, we read, Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. Oh, now will I sing. Why? Because I've been delivered from so great a death, from so great a bondage. I have been delivered. Isaiah chapter 51, 51 and verse 1. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock whence you are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence ye are dig. Here is a call to remembrance. Remember from where you've come. As I said, nearly 50 years. I haven't forgotten it. I remember, and I, it causes me to rejoice in the Lord. For He's done great and wonderful things. Colossians, the book of Colossians in chapter 1, verse 12. giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet, suitable, able, able, suitable, and able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That's what he did for me. That's what he did for me. He's made me suitable to be partakers of his inheritance, having delivered me from the power of darkness, and having translated me into the kingdom of his dear son. Oh, let us give thanks. I beg you, I beseech you this morning, if he's done that for you, Give thanks to him. Praise the Lord for his mighty works. Then the third picture is, is the duty to sin no more. Yes? He meant what he said to that infinite man. He means what he says to us today. 
We've been made holy. Hebrews 13, 12. Jesus died to make us holy. To make men holy. We've been made holy. Now the expectation is that we be holy. That we sin not. Sin no more. Sin is, is a disease and all are affected with it. It's, it's original. It's natural. It's natural to man. To every child born. They come forth a sinner. And as they grow to age, they sin. They manifest that they're little sinners. And it doesn't take them long at all to manifest that. It's a hereditary condition. <laughs> Every man since Adam has been born a sinner. And they come forth sinning. We are expected if we've been healed by the great physician we are expected to sin no more. Look with me at the book of John and chapter 8. Book of John and chapter 8 and verse 11 we see here not only in chapter 5 did Jesus tell the infinite man who had been made whole to sin no more. He tells the woman who had been taken in adultery and that the Jews had brought before to, to condemn her in her adultery. And Jesus kind of shut him up. He that is without sin, let him first cast the stone. Let him be the first one to cast the stone. He that is without sin. And Jesus asked the woman, where, where are thine accusers? Does, does no man accuse thee? He said. And she said in verse 11, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I've made you holy. Go and sin no more. If you've been made holy by the death, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're to be holy. We're called unto holiness. Romans. The book of Romans in chapter 6. In verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Let not sin reign. Let not sin have the dominion. Let not sin have the rule over you. 
Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. When we're faced with a choice, are we going to sin? No! Members are not members of unrighteousness. My members are to be members of righteousness. They're to serve the Lord in purity and holiness. He says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Go back, look at verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. <laughs> Have we forgotten what we pictured in the waters of baptism? We pictured that we're dead to sin. We're alive unto God. And we come up out of the waters a new creature brought to walk in newness of life as Christ who is raised from the dead. And that is the way we are to be. be. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 34 Tells us to awake to righteousness and sin not. First John chapter 2 and, and verse 1, the Holy Spirit there by the pen of, of the Apostle John says, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. You see, if we're the children of God, we ought not to sin. That ought to be our striving. That ought to be our labor. That ought to be the desire upon each one of our hearts is to no longer sin. However, there's still a proneness. There was still a proneness in this in this man-made hole to sin. And there's still proneness in, in us to sin. And so this, this man made whole, this infinite man made whole, he needs to be on guard against sin. And you and I need to be on guard against sin. We need to be aware of Satan's vices and his attacks. And he delights nothing in nothing more than to, to get the child of God to sin. And he delights in even, even greater still to, to have him break fellowship with the Father. That's unconfessed sin. We leave our sin goal, and we don't confess it. 
And for however long we leave it go, we're out of fellowship with the Father. Shame on us. We need to be guarding against sin. And then another picture. He's to fear the judgment. Well, I'm a child of God. Yes. But God deals with His children. He says, Lest a worse thing come unto thee. Well, that's the experience of a child of God. I can say it's a very sad place to be. To be out of fellowship with God. To not be in communion with Him. To have Him hide His face, so to speak. And for me to be out of fellowship. How terrible. It's a terrible place to be for the child of God. There's no joy. There's no happiness. You don't have the peace of God. You still have peace with God. But you don't have the peace of God ruling in your heart. Turn with me to the book of Micah. The book of Micah. Chapter 3. In verse 4. Micah chapter 3 and verse 4. Then shall they cry unto the Lord, but He will not hear them. He will even hide His face from them at that time. As they have behaved themselves ill, in their doing. In other words, as they were disobedient to God. He hid his face from them. They cry on him. He hid his face from them. Have you been in such a condition? Turn with me back to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Again. In verse 26. For if we sin willfully, there's a reason why we're to come alongside fellow church members. Why we're to stir them up unto love and good works. Why we're to be there in the assembly exhorting them. For if we sin, he's writing this to save Hebrews. If you're here and saved this morning, it is to you. It is to me. 
For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. You're not lost. You're not going to spend eternity in hell in the lake of fire. But the chastening of the Lord, the scourging of the Lord is said to be fiery trials. The trials of this life can be fiery and God sends them upon His disobedient children. And it's all meant to bring them back. Bring them back into the paths of holiness. Turn with me to chapter 12 of Hebrews. In verse 5, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth Different word, different Greek word. And scourges, this scourges the, the actual whipping. Every son whom he receiveth. In other words, you're disobedient and you don't give heed to his reproof and his, his rebuke and exhortation, then he's going to get out the whip. He's going to scourge you. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all, all the sons of God are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. You're illegitimate. You're not his. Furthermore, we have fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he, God, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. <laughs> you see, he, he wants us to share in his holiness. He wants us to be holy as he is holy. 1 Peter 1, 15. We're called to be holy as he is holy. Now... No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. I can avouch for that. Oh, it wasn't pleasant. But oh, afterwards, it was joyful because thereby I knew I was a child of God. 
If I'd have been continued on without chastening, I'd have had to wonder, was I a child of God? But because I received scourging, received the chastening of the Lord, I had the assurance I was. It's grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth that perfect, peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feet, feeble knees. <laughs> Wherefore, lift up your hands and praise, thanksgiving, that you're His, that you're a child of God. Praise God for the wonderful gift of His Son. Praise God for delivering me from so great a death, giving me life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God when I'm disobedient, get out of His will, and don't have the spiritual reflection to confess my sin. Praise God. He reproves and rebukes and even scourges if that be necessary. Shall we stand?